on this episode of Thinking Well. I guess one of the things that I would say is as they're walking out this part of their life in singleness, that we would not put them in a place where we're all living as if their future depends on them getting married. Like somehow they're waiting to happen until they get married. And so living in community with them as fully functioning, whole, capable people. The church does a lot of stuff well and has ministries geared towards couples, kids, teens, and more. But have we forgotten about a portion of our church community, the people who are not married and who don't have kids? In this episode of Thinking Well, we discuss how the church has viewed singleness, how we can include, uplift, and encourage our single friends, and what we wish we had known before marriage. You're listening to Thinking Well, a home for conversations about faith, life, and culture. We live in a confusing, complicated world with no shortage of hot takes and opinions competing for our attention. If you're like us, you're just trying to make sense of it all and follow Jesus the best way you know how. We don't have all the answers. Our unique stories give us unique perspectives, which means we won't always agree with each other. But perhaps in this cultural moment, God isn't looking for agreement. Maybe he wants unity over uniformity. Maybe he wants us to respond instead of react. Maybe he's looking for people who are learning, listening, and thinking well. And welcome to another episode of Thinking Well. Um, I am not Dan. He did not want to talk about marriage today. So I have with me Jay Ryan. Hi, how are you? Renee. Hello. And Jordan. Good afternoon, morning. Hello. It's afternoon. Whatever this is. Yep, that's right. <laughs> so um, first of all, what made you smile today? Or this week? This week, this not week. just today. You go first. <laughs> um, this one actually made me laugh so hard that I was crying. Um, Jordan does this <laughs> Elmo impression for our kids. And it is hilarious. And I've and I've recorded him a couple of times and the kids just die laughing. And that is he's done it a couple of times this week. So that is what is so <laughs> making me smile. He's gonna do it now, right? I don't even think it's that good to be honest, but I don't know. In my head it sounds good as I'm doing it. Well, let, but then we'll I be, hear the recording, I'm like, that doesn't sound like Elmo. We'll be the judge. Go ahead. <laughs> Hold on. I got to get into And, and it's Elmo hard to do mode. when you're smiling, into but no, this exactly. is a smiling segment. So. Um, so, Miss Rachel, do you, do you know what we're talking about today? <laughs> is this the marriage one? I want to be married one day. I don't even think it's gonna be that good. I don't. I don't think it's gonna sound that good. I, I can. Tell I think you, it might need some effects. That well, might be it. Yeah, I can yeah. tell you that Rachel loves it. Yeah. I, I know. Made her she's smile. Like every time. She is every time. Oh no, she's crying. Oh, at least yeah. it's sad. Oh, oh, never mind. Well, and it's Elmo's gotten a little dark at some point. So I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> some drug references in there. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, Elmo's come. He's seen some stuff. So. <laughs> Back in his single days. Back oh. in his single days, exactly. A nice segue. You can cut this out. He's never going to let us I, lead without him. I know. Him. Poor Dan. Sorry, I Dan. Cut it out. This is I'm sorry, too, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Dan, sorry. 
anybody else? <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, um, something that made me smile is I got to run a uh, 5K extreme. That would not make me smile. Well, but, but I did it with my sons. Nice. So how many things? I mean, maybe it's been like 15 years I played softball on the same team as uh, a couple of my sons once before. So this was a big deal. Like I'm running with Michael, who's 39, and Josiah, who's 20. And um, they beat me <laughs> by quite a bit, but it was okay <laughs> because I came in first in my division, <laughs> which was the wheelchair division. But anyway, needless to say, it's a power though, chair at this it, point. It's right. that. But it, it, it made me smile because I had to stop every now and again, or I got to stop and go, I'm running with my sons in a race. This is crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, cool. That makes nice. me smile in turn because that gives me hope that I can be half as active as you are because I am not as active as you are as you are at your age. You can grow, you grow into I'm going to grow, grow into, into it. it. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I, I think remember. it was today that he said, I don't like anything outdoors. So. <laughs> I did say that. That, that was said at one this, point today. This did involve outdoors. Okay, pass. <laughs> How about you, Renee? I would have to go with we um we got two ducks, baby ducklings Aww. for Mother's Day, of course. Um, and my daughter really, really enjoys them and I think it's Aww. that they're super cute and it's it's they're you adorable. Enjoy them. I yes, I have I have taken on an affection for the baby ducks, but are they in the garage or in the house? In the garage. <laughs> if they They're ever make it in the, in the house, house, they will be in the oven. So. <laughs> so, I am garage. not smiling at any No ducks in the house. Oh, that's great. All right. So marriage and singleness. Mostly we'll be talking about singleness going into marriage today. Um, but full disclosure, none of us are single. We have been at one point, but... <laughs> None of us are single, so, um, but we do have good stuff to say, and we're going to look at it from a biblical viewpoint and um, practically as well. So I'm going to kick it off um, with the first question here. So why do you think that the church has elevated marriage over singleness, and has this been like a pendulum shift from other times? Well, I think it was from way before the church. For starters, because even biblically speaking, I think it was sort of a practical mandate, even from the garden, when we were supposed to be fruitful and multiply. And so it's always been the way that God wanted us to be together and be joined. And um, so I look at it from that standpoint sometimes that there's a lot of practical things in the Bible that directs us. So it's not an anti-single thing, it's just a more a for a uh, for our race to succeed and so on, we are mm. supposed to um, fall in love and um, have a special hug and. You know. <laughs> <laughs> probably, I, probably I said that especially because my wife is here. But anyway, um, that's but that's how I see it. Yeah. I so I when I was in Bible school, everyone had to take a courtship and marriage class. <laughs> And now looking back on it, I'm like, okay, that was a little maybe not great because it almost seems like you're setting up the people who are not married for like to think of themselves as a failure almost, it seems like. But like the main, oh man, that class, there was, oh boy, I, yeah, no, never mind. I'm not even going to go into that now. But there was like the main, the main, uh, like, I don't know, catchphrase 
whatever, if you can say there was, was like, leave, cleave, and weave. It's like, oh boy. It's just, wow. leave your parents, cleave to another, and weave baskets together or something. I don't know. <laughs> weave a life. Right, yeah, <laughs> maybe that was it. Maybe I missed that part, but yeah. Yeah, um, it's almost, from my viewpoint, it's almost like um, become an idol in the church, especially during like purity culture, which will we'll dive into, but, um, what about you, Renee? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that there's again, kind of the pendulum swing thing. I think there's an aspect where we need to recognize the value that God created in marriage, Mm -hmm. but I would say that we've probably elevated it, um, you know, beyond even kind of that spiritual purpose and kind of made it like, this is the thing that we're all aiming for. This is what makes us complete. This is, and we place a value on it, maybe that that the Bible hasn't placed on it. Um, you know, I think there was a time in the church historically, uh, certainly when you look at some of what Paul talked about, um, you know, that that actually singleness was sacred, and singleness, especially as it was in your devotion to God, and there was a real value, and people had an honor for those that were single on behalf of. Um, they're being able to fully pursue yeah. the Lord. And so I think there's, I think we need to recognize really the value of both. Obviously, God did intend for people, um, you know, to experience marriage, but I think that we can also be complete in singleness as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Paul even said it was better, better that you not uh, right. be together, better that you could be single like me. But if you can't, if passion burns in you, I think that's, the way he worded it, or it's in First Corinthians seven, then then it's okay. So I don't know that they were purposing for us to all get married, but yeah, I think the church took that a little too literally. Like anytime you burn with passion, like okay, just get married, don't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> there, like purity culture just brought that forth. Like yeah. you can't control yourself, get married to this person, even though there's tons of red flags. So right, going right. out and shooting baskets and running around the block wasn't it, huh? Cold shower. No, <laughs> right. yeah. that's, what, that's what we were told. Right. <laughs> what, well, like speaking of purity culture, what effect did it have on this issue of singleness versus marriage? Like it feels like it kind of pitted it against one another or um, like I said, like elevated marriage above everything else. Like once you get married, you have reached. Right. You've won. You've you've won the prize. You finished the video game or whatever. You beat all the bosses in the video game. Yeah, I think because I I grew up in the church. I think during the big movement movement of the purity culture, and yeah, it was always kind of talked about that the goal is marriage, and the goal is to find somebody that you love and you serve the Lord together. It was never really. I at least I don't remember ever being really said. It's like, hey, it's okay to be single too. It was just like, oh. It doesn't seem like it was ever the goal to end up in singleness. It was always to be together with somebody. So I I think that was one thing the church kind of missed on. And I think now it definitely affects a lot of people that haven't found somebody to marry. Yeah. Which might not be the greatest for them, though, the way they're feeling about it, because that's kind of what I think they were taught and what that upbringing was. Yeah. One of my friends said it's almost like um, a prosperity gospel of of marriage. Like if you do the right things, if you stay pure, if you keep your heart right, you know, God is going to bring along this 
perfect guy and you won't have to work at it at all. And that's kind of what the church has taught, maybe not explicitly, but, you know, just implied. And um, and it's just really left a lot of disappointment. Like, hey, I did everything right. Now what? You know, and yeah. how do I how do I live in this season well without feeling a lot of disappointment? Right. Yeah. And I would say that kind of whole purity culture, it has to do with the messaging. And I've seen it kind of morph over time where it was really, you know, we need to avoid our sexuality. We need to, you know, it's like, and then they go, well, but we need to like make sure people know because it's for a purpose. And so then the messaging very much became that you know, the Holy grail of marriage and this is what you're protecting it for. And, and so then it's puts this mentality that we protect our purity only for marriage. Um, and then we have people that don't know how to protect purity in marriage, right? Because they, it was kind of like, this is, this is what it's for. Or you have people that, that go, well, we, you can still have sexuality in singleness. It's, Right. How do you how do you walk that out? What does that look like? Um, you know, and I think I think we're still refining our messaging yeah. around well, how, all of that. What does that look like? Because that's I mean, I recognize it's a hard question. <laughs> I love the way you're looking at me, Pastor Renee, as I ask it. But, you know, when we're asking people, you know, as far as dealing with their sexuality and so on, and maybe their desires and passions and things like that as a single person, you know, even in like, for example, in marriage ministry, there's just a lot of things that we teach people. Well, you can't do this before you're married and you shouldn't do this. And, and, um, and as it relates to pornography and all those other things, that's really, it's a huge ask for single people to try to stay pure, you know, waiting for that golden moment. I, I feel like the deck is stacked against them in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. I mean, I think that happens when you elevate sex above everything else too, you know, in, in marriage, like that's not the pinnacle point, you know, serving the Lord together and it's a journey. It's not just going to be that, you know, one moment or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, like, like the movies. And I think we have allowed culture to infiltrate our, correct our view of yep. marriage and everything. Um, and so, I think if we like taught people like, yeah, like just don't place too much of an emphasis on (laughs) the sexual part of it. Like it's more about being together and serving the Lord together and, um, and discipling people. And, you know, instead we've made it all about, we've allowed culture to dictate that it's all about the sexual part of it. Yeah, I would agree. I think a big part of it is that emphasis and, you know, yes, obviously in, in singleness, there are those desires and there's different needs, but I think part of it is recognizing that, you know, Jesus is complete in being able to, to, um, meet our needs and, and to not put so much emphasis on that physical part of, you know, sexuality. I would agree that we, in the purity culture, it was all about protecting that piece Meanwhile, people are blowing wide open their doors of emotional intimacy Mm -hmm. and spiritual intimacy and not protecting that part of their lives at all and, and not recognizing that that's an equal part of how we, you know, protect, uh, our, ourselves from being somewhere where we really aren't meant to be with another person. And, um, so I think that's the emphasis piece is probably a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, here's a question, and maybe we've already answered this, but 
Does God promise, promise marriage to everyone? What does the Bible say? <laughs> so Jordan and I are going to try to answer from our perspective while Renee's looking it up feverishly. There are pages flying on the table. Because, again, I think there's this view in the church, like, no, he's promised us marriage. Well, we I have, haven't looked it up in the Bible, so I'm going to say no, but I could be totally wrong. So well, We have a friend. We just had a conversation with this friend, and this friend is, is single, and um, the somebody said to her, well, you, you have not because you haven't asked. And, and, and whatever that Bible verse is, I, um, and there's variations of it, ask, knock, right. so on and so forth, and you'll receive. And so she's been thinking about that, and she's willing to do that, and she wants to be in a relationship. But by the same token, she also finds herself being extremely content mm. um, not being in a relationship, but she's, she's more mature. Yeah. Um, she is. Um, she's older. She's given a lot of time to thought uh, to to give some thought to it and so on, and she's in a better place. She actually feels complete, yeah, because she has a, a great strong connection to the Lord. And as she gets older, she feels whole. Which, by the way, is an answer to another question we'll address later. But it is so important to be a whole person, yeah. before you get into a relationship, anyways. And if you are a whole person, you tend to fret less. Mm-hmm. about whether or not you are married. So, right. so did, been, I'm sorry, did somebody s- literally t- tell her that you have not because you ask not about being together or married or? Um, something like that. Like, you know, just finding, uh, finding the right person in her life. Well, she didn't, you know, she didn't receive it in a negative way. She just had sure. to think about it. Kind of like look in the mirror and go, well, you know, have I, have I, you know, if I talk to God about this huh. clearly. And so I'm not saying it's right or not, but it right. is interesting that her, yeah. the way she wound up with it ultimately was, is, you know, I'm okay. Sure. I'm okay not being married. I'd like to be married, but she is um, so connected to the Lord right now that she's kind of in a good place. No, that's good. That's yeah. awesome to hear. Cause yeah, I don't, I don't think if that's the, I don't think that's the answer most Christians would probably give that person, you know? No, I would hope <laughs> you know? not. Well, and we've, yeah. I've certainly been on the receiving end of, well, this didn't turn out for you because you didn't have enough faith. And I go, oh, oh boy. thanks for that. Right, yeah. <laughs> that really feels good. Right, yep. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, that's as long as we can stall, dear. <clears throat> well, I'm, I mean, I think that, that what's probably more important is to recognize that the Bible doesn't ever say... God promises everyone to be married, right. you know, in the same way that God doesn't promise, you know, I, I had a period of time where I wanted more children and it, that was something I had to work out between the Lord and I is that, you know, and I think, you know, when it talks about the, having the desires of your heart, my thing has always been to submit that to the Lord and say, would you put your desires you know, in me for these things. And so I feel like if people have a desire to be married and they're constantly submitting their heart to him, um, you know, that, that they should walk that out with him, you know, as far as, you know, having a desire, but no, I don't believe that the Bible promises Jesus talks in Matthew about those who are eunuchs. And he talks about eunuchs who were, you know, born that way. He talks about eunuchs that were made that way by men. He talks about eunuchs who were, uh, who made themselves that way for the kingdom's sake. And he says, who is able to accept it, let him accept it. And 
just to me that's he's he's talking about marriage in that section so i don't it's not just about the celibacy part mm-hmm. of it but but the reality that he's even kind of acknowledging there are some that won't marry and um we certainly know how paul feels about it although i feel a lot of editorial opinion in paul's discussion around marriage um but you know, you, you sometimes when you see what Paul says, you kind of want to go, "Who hurt you, Paul?" But but thorn in his Yes, exactly. But but I think there is a there is a reality that there's a biblical basis for not everybody being married, and yet I I think those things that are desires in our heart. For me, there came a time, you know, we ha- I love my family that I have. I love our kids, and there came a time where I said, "Lord, if you don't want me to." to have another child. If you don't, if that's not something you're going to bless us with, would you take this desire? And he did. Mm. And boy, did he take it. (laughs) (laughs) There was a time where I went, wow, this is so weird to feel like this instead of like that, Mm. um, where I go, no, if you love me, please don't, you know, but, uh, but I think we need to submit those desires to the Lord. And I would agree that Bible doesn't doesn't say this is promised to everybody. It is yeah. definitely part of God's plan. Marriage right. Right. is part of his plan for humanity, and but I don't think that it has to be walked out in everybody's life. Right, yeah. So how can we better support our brothers and sisters in Christ um, who are single? How can we encourage them and um, just better support them instead of saying, oh, when the time comes, it'll come? And give them some pat answers like that. Maybe trying to not set them up on dates all the time. I don't know. Actually, That's the first thing that comes to mind. Actually, my friend said she wanted to be set up. She was oh. like, I'm totally okay with it. So, so like. I'm, and we were talking about this the other night too. I'm a matchmaker at heart. Matchmaker. And uh, there's somebody I'm thinking about right now that attends our church. That I go, you should be married. I've probably even said that out loud. I am so sorry. But it's just a really amazing person that I just know is a catch for somebody. and But uh, all that said, one of the things that I thought of when I first saw your question uh, was, uh, I'm going to lose my train of thought. I just love it when I do that on a podcast. <laughs> is that I wonder how many times I think to invite a single person to an event that is predominantly married people mm-hmm. or, or with kids and things like that. And I wonder if maybe they would love to come and I'm just not thinking... Uh, I'm, I'm just not drawing it in. So I would want a purpose to, and they can say no, and they may even say no because of that very reason. But mm-hmm. I would like to purpose more to invite them into situations like that, social circumstances that they might love to engage in, if I remember that. Yeah. I guess um, for me, I, I think, yeah, that kind of including people uh, in our world you know, that, that are single, even though we're maybe in a different stage of life. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I think about is, you know, the, the, in Genesis, when God created man and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And I really believe that single or married, it's really important that you have opposite gendered friendships and you have opposite gendered that, that you have that perspective. If you're a single man, that you have safe, single I'm sorry, not single or single, but safe women <laughs> in your life. If you're a single woman, that you have safe men in your life that can 
be um, that other perspective that can bring that other part, you know, to your life. And so I think like for me, there's some, some different women in our life that are friends of mine, but also really value Brian's input in different things as a guy, having someone that they can talk through different things with, um, as a guy, you know, and, and giving space for that, you know, to, for them to be part of our life so that they have access to that. Um, I think again, kind of the over sexualized culture makes it difficult for there to be kind of healthy, safe relationships between men and women who are not married or, you know, whatever, but we really need that in our lives. And so how can we get around people with that, you know, and, and make it safe for them to, to have that in their, in their life, even if they're single. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And my friend, um, I kind of crowdsource on this, but um, she was like, it's really important to be in community with people who are in different seasons than you. Mm -hmm. So she's like being community with married people, with engaged people, with younger and older people and everything. She's like, it's just so important. So you get all of that perspective and all of that community together um, and you just appreciate each other so much. Um, So she said in order, like, to help support single people, like just invite them into your families and your community, like not just a singles night or whatever, but singles mixer. Yeah. Not, don't set up a singles mixer for yeah, them. Not I just mean, when you, you want to introduce them oh, to your other single right. friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's yeah. so crazy. You're here. <laughs> so is Billy Joe. And you're wearing the same shirt. That's so weird. <laughs> See, I, my, my thinking is if I invite, uh, single people into our family stuff they'll be like okay yeah marriage isn't for me this, <laughs> this family thing isn't for me i'm good it's like i, I did it so. i messed them up <laughs> no. but i do no. think we sometimes feel like oh we don't want them to feel left, left out, out. Yep. and so you don't invite them <laughs> because you don't want them to feel left out right. in, a, in a counterintuitive right. yes you would just uh, feel bad being the only single person here so, so don't come i give you a favor right. you can't handle it you're single yeah. yeah and i think i think the other piece is recognizing that they have value Absolutely. to bring to our lives just in right. in who they are and to our kids and to our right. you know to our family We've been so blessed. We have a lot of friends who are single of various ages that are just such a blessing yeah. to us in our family when when we, you know, are with them or travel with them or or bring them in. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. We have a friend that um, comes over every couple of weeks and our kids just adore her. I mean, she's part mm-hmm. of the family. She comes to the birthday parties and they just love her and she brings so much value. So I totally agree with that. Um. Well, one more thing that a friend said um, was to recognize that if we could, as a church, recognize the value that they bring as an individual, like we were just talking about. Um, But she was like, positions um, of leadership kind of tend to go to married people. And she's like, I'm mature and I'm ready to lead. Oh, interesting. But it always goes to married people and it's a little frustrating because she's ready to serve in the church and she wants to do that. And, um, and, and my single friends do serve in the church. They bring so much value to that. And, but I've never yeah. thought of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah and, and, same. and, and it would, and it would never cross my mind not to, I mean, that's very interesting. So it must be so, but it would never cross my mind to not invite somebody into, you know, heading a ministry or something or to think of them as a, or leader, think of right? them as right. no, 
Well, one time when I asked why we couldn't bring a single person to head up the youth group, this was when I was younger. So I I was totally in matchmaker mode. I was like, oh my gosh, what if we get a single person here and we can match them up with somebody from our church? <laughs> oh, goodness. Because I read all those awesome Christian romance stories. Um, but, but I asked my dad that and he was like, mm, that wouldn't be safe. So... I don't know. What what do you guys think about that? Not to throw my dad under the bus. <laughs> well, it wasn't that guy that picture was up at the post office for a while, was it? It wasn't that? Okay. He was exonerated. So yeah, I thought so. Just, you know, it's I all, thought it's it came good. out all yeah. good in the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess I think definitely there's maybe been kind of an undercurrent of that. And, you know, as far as having somebody that is not linked already with somebody else and that that, that maybe has been a concern in the church but i'm not sure why mm. it, right. it, it's the same process that you would go through of um you know i think part of it is because there's a different kind of accountability when you're married there's an yeah. accountability with your spouse but why can't we provide that same support of accountability for those who are single right and right. and make that yeah. available to them so because the accountability isn't about just being married it's about you have this person who's in your life who, who is, knows a lot about you and, you know, yeah. well, yeah. why can't we provide that same thing to people who are single and support them in that so that they have that sense of, of having somebody that has their back and that, you know, knows who they are. And, um, so I can understand why it, it would feel that way because maybe we don't have things in place that would help Mm. it feels safe, you know, you know, and people that are in relationship with them in a, in a really healthy way that would provide that. Right. I just think of positions. I mean, I've been in ministry my whole life and so has Jordan. And I'm just like, it was way easier when I was single because I had so much more energy, like doing, (laughs) doing youth group without kids before I had kids was way easier. And then once I had kids, it got a thousand times harder. And I was right. like, a single person would rock at this. Like they would right. have all this time and energy to dedicate towards youth group. Anyway. Right. Well, it's right. funny too. Cause I think of, you know, the, the really solid single people I know, I'm like, man, they're maybe even better than some of the, you know, the married people I know with issues. It's like, oh, okay, interesting. What is the... And that can most certainly be true, but at the same time, marriage relationships help bring out things that we need to work on. Yeah. And so without anybody single (laughs) listening right now, please hear my heart. Um, If you're single, you you can look on the outside like you've got it all together because there's um, there's nothing changing your day. There's no one else throwing socks on your floor. <laughs> yeah. So how do we live in community with our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in different seasons of life than us? And we kind of went through it a little bit, but do you have any extra thoughts to add to that? I guess one of the things that I would say is that we would not put them in a place where we're all living as if their future depends on them getting married. <laughs> Amen to Or, that. you know, yeah. like that as we're in community with them, we see them as functional, you know, called yeah. living purpose in their lives. And, um, you know, certainly being supportive of them and, and, and praying into if they have a desire to be married mm-hmm. and supporting them in that, but just not like like somehow they're waiting to happen until they right. get married. And so living in community with them as fully functioning, whole, capable, you know, people 
as they're walking out this part of their mm-hmm. life in singleness, um, whether it's through having been widowed or whether you know they've never been married or may not be married, um, I think just giving value to that. And then the other piece is recognizing how um, how intentional we need to be in community with them, yeah. because they don't necessarily have, um, you know, that instant ability to connect with people in the same way. I know um, last week I was talking with someone who's single and who had experienced marriage before, but has been single for a while now. And one of the things was um, like getting home from work, working a late shift, getting home from work and really having nobody that knows or cares that you're home safe. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about that, like being, being that person for someone, you know, that, that has that kind of awareness of what's going on in their world, um, you know, and not just kind of pinning it on, well, someday when you get married, you know, (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. Be that person in some way of, you know, somebody that they can rely on and yeah. Yeah. It's really good. of this i know something um, about this oh, i'm married you? oh yes. weren't you single for a while i was okay <laughs> thanks for bringing it up no i'm just kidding it was a great time in my life it was he always goes when i was a bachelor i don't say it like that <laughs> wistfully i had yeah. so much money to spend i never said that <laughs> well we bless both of your spirits to be yeah, exactly <laughs> Um, in case our listeners didn't know, which you probably wouldn't because I don't think we've mentioned this before, um, Jay, Brian, and Renee are marriage counselors and they have a marriage ministry good in our church. Too. They, they are good ones. They're yeah. not, they're not terrible. Um, I think they have a pretty <laughs> they're good. They're not terrible. <laughs> I think they Came have a pretty first good. first out of four couples. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was just two. <laughs> <laughs> they have a pretty good track record, I think. Um, they they have counseled me and Jordan before, Indeed. so um, we have benefited from them. So we're gonna we're gonna lay a lot. Of, this is all theirs. No, okay. Uh, Rachel well, and I got a lot of things we want to deal with over the podcast. Yeah, here. yeah. So, so we're gonna, gonna take you guys through a live demo. That's actually, why we're here. Actually, <laughs> Renee and I brought a list. So I hope you're <laughs> <Yeah>. both comfortable. <laughs> Did you bring the handbook? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So when, even though I know Renee says she was single for three minutes, but when you were single, what prepared you for being married, or did anything prepare you for being married? <laughs> Go ahead, please, dear, but I'll answer for you if you don't. Um, (laughs) You can answer for you because we were single then. Um, For me, I would say probably one of the best preparations was just really good role models. Um, Because honestly, a lot of the books and things that were supposed to be preparation, when I think back, I'm like, I would not teach people that. So what I would say is having really good role models was so helpful for me. Just seeing other marriages and going, I like how they talk to one another. I like the way that they prioritize time. I like how, you know, just seeing things that I like. I like that they can laugh together. I like, and and seeing that and kind of just watching how they build that, you know, 
I think that was a huge piece. I think the other piece, honestly, is is my relationship with Jesus and yeah. just really being as complete as I possibly could in him and really because if things aren't going well in in our marriage, if there's something that we're struggling with, I need to have that that I can go back to and learn how to hear from the Holy Spirit even for my marriage and um, you know, if it was just up to me and my emotions and him and his emotions, yeah. <laughs> it would be such a mess. But being able to not and and not have our marriage be the end all of I can't be okay if this isn't perfect or this isn't exactly how it's supposed to be in this moment, but we're both growing and we're growing towards Christ and yeah. and you know, the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives. So I would say for me it's those two things. For me, uh, the biggest one is is that I had already done it wrong uh, once before. Mm-hmm. So I had been married before, and it was many, many years ago. But And then I had lived single for quite a long time uh, after that marriage fell apart. But I got to a place where I got to the end of myself. And it was the, really the greatest gift of, of all, that I, I literally got to a place where I wasn't interested in a relationship. I just wanted to work. I wanted to get out of debt. I was in debt at that time. And uh, spend what time I could with my kids and just move on with my life. And when I got to that place where I could acknowledge that everything I had tried to do under my own understanding had gone wrong uh, and turned it over to God, then everything started changing. And it's been a, I mean, it's been a, a, you know, several decade process, but everything is better today than it was yesterday. And everything was better yesterday than the day before you know, all the bad things that happen in your life don't go away. But once you turn it over to God and you say, God, I need you to lead me mm-hmm. in this. So for me, it was literally turning it over to God to the point that when I first saw Renee, I knew that it was a divine appointment. So yes, I'm one of those sappy uh, Christians that'll <laughs> say that it was love at first sight. I know that's it's not supposed to be love at first sight. Some people say that's not a thing. Well, it's a thing. If God says it's a thing, and it was a thing for me, and but but it happened. It was God ordained. God led me. God told me what to do next, so that I didn't wreck it. And that's the path I've been on ever since. Awesome, Jordan. What prepared you? I wish I was as prepared as you guys were, because looking back, our first <laughs> looking back at marriage, I was like, man. Our first eight years were a little rough. <laughs> We've been married nine. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I, I wish I would have prepared myself more. Just myself, you know, just clean up my mess and my stuff and all of that. And I think, I don't, I don't think I brought a ton of baggage into our marriage, but I, I know, I mean, everybody does bring a little bit, but I think that was just like, it took longer to deal with, you know, Mm -hmm. at that point after. So I wish I would have done better at that because I I assumed I I went to a two-year Bible college and basically everybody gets married of, you know, they get their MR and their MRS degrees when they leave. So everyone marries each other. And so it didn't happen for me till like four years after. Even though you were one in the bracket. Yeah, yeah. That's a different story. So, So, I mean, it didn't, it didn't happen. I'm like, what the heck? I want a refund. I hadn't paid anyways, so I have to pay. So... But yeah, I, I wish I would have been more focused on who I was just as myself, who I was as a single person. But 
Um, I mean, I don't think it's turned out super bad, but I think we've worked through some stuff and we've, yeah. we've worked hard through yeah. some stuff. And yeah. so it's still good. So maybe, maybe that was the best thing, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go back and, you know, redo it. I, no, I right. mean, I'd go back. Oh, and, I see. Okay. All right. Great. <laughs> I go back and remarry you. Over I'm just oh, saying okay. right. <laughs> the hard parts. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like you said, Renee, like I had great role model role models. Um, Definitely all the Christian romance books that I read prepared me. That's for that's my final fantasy answer. Or, yeah. <laughs> or not. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were the worst. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just kicked you. Um, yeah. As I got older, like my relationship with God deepened. And I watched a lot of relationships where I was like, oh, that's what not to do. Yeah. Got it. So that helped me yeah. a lot. And I knew like. I'm not going to, I'm not going to settle, but it wasn't like all these like crazy little, you know, check marks. Like he needs to be like six, five and you know, that sort of stuff. <laughs> I've always wanted to be six, five. Then I'd be playing in the NBA. That's always been my thought. So, <laughs> But yeah, I, I, same with Jordan though. Like I, I wish I would have prepared more and like focused on my relationship with God and not like, well, oh, okay. Let's, I was, I was single for yeah, you're a single I for, if Renee is five minutes, then you're 20 minutes. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I got married like two years after I graduated, so. Um, but yeah, I just wish I would have focused more on like not just staying in one place until I got married or found a person or whatever, but like focused on um, God and how he can, you know, change my heart and everything and, and just um, just gone forward and that kind of stuff in, in my spiritual growth and everything, so yeah, I agree. Like, I wish I would have done more, but, um, and like, I look at my single friends now and they're like, they're doing a whole bunch of amazing stuff. And I'm like, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. That's so cool that they're just not like sitting down and waiting. So, and I thought I was preparing myself based on kind of the purity culture that I was growing up in, in the church. You know, I wasn't like having sex outside of any relationship or out of, yeah. outside of marriage. I mean, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't having sex outside of marriage. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so all. I was like, no, I'm good. It's, you know, yeah, right. So yeah. I thought I was doing really good, but then once we got married, it's like, Oh, maybe I could have done this better. Right. Well, I mean, not to get like too TMI, but like even in our relationship, like we were like, we're not having sex before marriage. So we're good when we could have prepared a whole lot more. For right, marriage. right. There's right. more within, to preparation. Right, there's more than just that, exactly. Because, <laughs> like, exactly. within two months, two or three months, we knew that we were going to get married. We just didn't until, like, a year and a half later. But um, we we knew that we were going to get married, and so we're just like, we just... We just need to stay pure. Just gotta we just make need, it. We just gotta make it. Counting down the days and the all hours. The energy. Like, oh, Maybe if we put all great. that energy that we use to stay pure into like actually preparing for marriage. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I mean, your guys' premarital counseling was probably the closest thing to that that we, you know, so right. that helped a lot. So go to premarital counseling, yes. folks. Yeah. That really mm-hmm. helps. Yes. Um, I have a question for uh, Jay, Brian, and Renee. In your work of premarital counseling. And marital counseling. Um, what have your top takeaways been as you counsel couples? Well, I've, uh, what first comes to mind is that um, avoiding arguing is a recipe for avoiding intimacy. Ooh. Um, I've always been a huge, Brene and I talk about it all the time, she knows my opinion on it, that couples that don't argue make me nervous. 
Like, I don't know what your future looks like. And I know that there can be people listening that we've been married 30 years and we never argue. And I know that that happens. But I do know in an iron sharpening iron kind of a way, um, if you do express yourself and if it rubs the other person the wrong way a little bit, this is an invitation to get to know the other person better. That's what Mm -hmm. it is. It's a divine appointment. And it's not to be swept under the rug and it's not to be ignored. And if you work through that, even if there's some heated fellowship or whatever you want to call that, there's um, something positive on the other side of that and you wind up being closer Mm -hmm. to one another. I just don't think you can be truly intimate unless you have those moments and work through them and using tools and things that you can learn, um, you know, find yourself reconciling. Uh, your differences, it's a good thing. So that's a huge one. And there's more, but that's the first one that came to my mind. Jordan and I can attest to that. We are both people who like shove our feelings below the surface and that did not. Now we fight all the time. No one needs to see my feelings. (laughs) I'm so happy for you. (laughs) Because of Jay Bryan and Renee, we fight all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And that's our commercial. (laughs) No, but really it did help us because like now we're like, okay, if this is bothering us, we should just Gently bring it up That's and right. talk it through yeah. and before it becomes like a volcano. Right. Which Emery loves, so might <laughs> might be good. Our son. Um, our son, yes. Yeah, I would say one of the things that we've learned in counseling is that um well, how do I say it? Over spiritualizing our um marriage meeting we've had lots of couples that they just know the lord put them together and you know they met in bible school or they met here you know there was a blue angel and it told them this is the one or you know whatever um we believe that god is absolutely involved in those divine appointments and connecting people we believe the lord led us to one another in our marriage but it doesn't mean that you don't have to do the work and it doesn't mean that you don't have to be intentional to like build a foundation and um, so even with couples that, that are like, we just know we're supposed to get married. Like you, you know, you, you guys knew in three months or whatever, then our encouragement is be intentional to do the work. Cause you're going to do it somewhere. Right. And yeah. yes, the Lord can divinely put you together, but that, you know, there's like gifts of the spirit and then there's fruit of the spirit mm-hmm. that takes cultivating and that, that grows out of, you know, like working through things together in your marriage and building communication skills and, so a lot of couples that we've counseled had these divine appointments and then things get really rough. Yeah, we don't know yeah. why it's hard, it's, you know. Yeah, maybe, and maybe God put us together <laughs> and yeah, maybe and you, yeah, maybe we weren't, we weren't well, hearing so well. And you know, one of the parts about that, by the way, which is another thing I wanted to bring up, is the massive importance of being a whole person. Mm-hmm. And a person that's got some stuff to work through, marrying another person that's got some stuff to work through, means the two, when they become one, it is going to get messy and anything you can do to be as ready as you possibly can be. And there's things that you can do and to be in fact, a whole person before you get married is, is just money in the bank for you. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times people think that, well, we'll get married and then I can fix that. I'll fix that thing. Or that marriage, they believe marriage will change that, you know, that that you, the things that you see in someone, um, because that's another piece is sometimes people desire so much to be married that they're willing to overlook or to like, well, that'll change or, and then those are the things that they're coming into counseling for because that thing didn't change or it got 
more pronounced after they got married or, you know, and so at that point, then you have to work it through. And so I think that's the other piece is, is just recognizing that, um, you're not going to find the perfect person, but find someone who's growing and who's willing to grow and who's willing to take responsibility when they make a mess and, and knows how to clean it up because that's going to be huge when you're married. That's right. Yeah. So something about an equal yoke or something, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Were we equally yoked when we got married, dear? Yes. <laughs> I believe we were. I mean, I believe we part partly. I remember part of it was because you were growing um, just for for background. I grew up in the church and um, and, you know, didn't have like a lot of time to create a testimony and Brian had a hefty testimony. And, but I would say you were pursuing growing in the Lord to a degree that I actually was jealous at the, the um, passion that you had for the Lord at the time because you were growing in him. But yeah, we, as, and as time went by though, we found that that was God's plan because I was going to need roller skates to keep up with you, mm-hmm. so so I, we needed to do something fast. Yeah. What are roller skates? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> okay, so speaking of preparing for marriage, what has the church done well to prepare people for marriage, and what have they not done well? Well, um, for me, and this is maybe going to just raise more questions, but. Um, I think the church has done a good job of having programs and pre-marriage things. They've, they've got all kinds of programs, all kinds of opportunities and single life workshops, for example, which we're fans of. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that part's all, all good. But we are living in a time where the world and the way the world's doing things has either be, become more attractive in the last few years or maybe it's because of social media or all the things and all the distractions that maybe what the church is trying to do um, to help marriages or future marriages is being overshadowed. Mm. So I think we have a brand new obstacle. We could have had this conversation 10 years ago, and there's a lot of relevant stuff that's even been said today. But now we have the additional problem of what people see on Facebook and the perfect engagements and the, mm-hmm. you know, what five cameras around this couple as the, the one guy, you know, proposes to the other lady right on the side of a cliff with the sun just perfect and the rainbow in the background. And, and the waves are crashing. And the waves are crashing on the side. And it's that like... That was my dream proposal. <laughs> my Mine was we were having popcorn and I got down on one knee and handed her the ring. Yeah, in the kitchen. It was so romantic. But I just couldn't wait any longer. And that part, by the way, is romantic. I so, so I'm just saying that, the you know, we've got a new problem. That yeah. the church has got stuff, but I don't think we're marketing it well. I don't know if the sincerity or an intensity is there, and um, I, I think we want to. I don't know if we want to market it well. I think we just want to be intentional in pursuing relationships with right. those around us. Right. You know, so that they, they know when they come into our family that we're not perfect. Marriage isn't perfect. But um, when you work at it and when you love the Lord, it's, it's worth it. Um, so I guess I would say that one of the things that the church has done well to prepare singles for being married is presented a biblical view of Mm -hmm. marriage. And, um, I mean, when we think about, you know, who, who has 
the real truth about what the what the purpose of marriage is, and the church has held fast on that um, aspect. At least the majority of the church has held fast on that. Um, I think there is a culture that is sort of um, anti-marriage, not in the church, in the world, and I think the church has continued to uphold marriage as as something that God's given. And so I think that's really healthy. As far as what we haven't done well in the church, um, I think we've already talked about some of those things in yeah. you know, the messaging of the purity movement. I think that probably didn't necessarily help prepare people for marriage as much as it kept them you know, out of the ditch before they got married. But um, I think that definitely giving value to those that are living in in a singleness that 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 is an um acceptable way to live out right. faith that is mm-hmm. an acceptable way to live out purpose and calling and um to to be okay with that to support that to i think we talked earlier about you know um providing opportunities for leadership uh yeah. for those that are are single um, and so I think just how we show value for that, I think we could probably do a better job of that. And then also how we come around and become community to those who are single and doing that intentionally. I, I would say having singles groups and things like that really isn't it. Yeah. It's how do you yep. have them be part of community and feel that they're part of yeah. community, even though they're not married. Yeah. Yeah, instead of having them labeled as, oh, that's a single person. Right. <laughs> just, you okay, go to that's a member this of our group. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we're, we're going to separate you out. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I, I think the one thing I just think about is being authentic in your marriage and being authentic with your family. And just as Christians, just, you know, it's not always perfect. It's most of the time super far from perfect, but just being able to say is like, well, this is what it is and we're still learning and we're still growing. Mm-hmm. Cause I think about back in 2012 when Minnesota legalized uh, the marriage for the same sex. And I was just thinking, I was like, man, why have we lost, you know, why have, why have Christians, why did, how did we lose this? And it's just like, well, I think a lot of people saw the fakeness that comes along with, Oh, I just need to stay married to this person or whatever. Just, just putting on a facade and it's like, so what can we do to counteract that? And what can we do to be better than that? And I think just being honest and open with mm-hmm. how it's, it's sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's awful. It's just, it's life and you're doing life with another person. And so, um, I think that's the main takeaway I, I think I would want to bring to that. Good. That authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to note that authenticity doesn't mean you have to spill everything to everyone. <laughs> right. It's it's just being vulnerable with people that God has called you to be vulnerable with. <laughs> so um, Okay, I'll work on that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Your posts are not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Thinking Well. We hope that this will lead to fruitful conversations in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with the latest and to join in the conversation surrounding faith and culture, follow us on Instagram at Thinking Well Podcast. 
Thinking Well is a production of Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information about Living Waters, visit livingwatersmn.org.